0: Unbillable Hour Community Table, where real lawyers from all around the country with real issues they are dealing with right now meet together virtually to present their questions to Christopher T. Anderson, lawyer and law firm management consultant. New questions every episode, and none of it scripted. The real conversations happen here. The first segment is Christopher's answer to an attorney who is unsure how to gauge whether or not a new hire's first 90 days are a success. The place to start is to, for you to get really clear as to why you hired this person. In the first 90 days, you will consider this hire to have been a success if she accomplishes what? I said she, I did, did you tell me it was uh, a woman? I, I... I think so. Okay, good. Yeah, but so can you answer that? Do you know what you, why you hired her and what, what you're hoping, she'll, what you are expecting that she will accomplish in the first 90 days?
1: Well, the first question, yes. I know, I know why I hired her. I desperately needed additional administrative management help. The firm has gotten too big. We have too many people and too many things going on for me to oversee and do everything solo. And things are just falling through the cracks. What do I need to see in the first 90 days to consider it a success? I'm not sure on that.
0: Okay. Well then, you know, here's what I would do because people make mistakes in two different directions, usually the first one. So I'll give you the second one first. (laughs) One, one is that with a new hire like this, they kind of do what you're doing right now, which is like, introduce them around, let them shadow you for a little while and then say, all right, now start, you know, doing stuff and they will. Um, If it's a good person, they will start doing stuff. But you kind of seed or abdicate direction over what stuff is the highest priority, the highest value, the highest return to you. Remember, we hire people to either make us money or give us back time, preferably both, right? So this person is not going to make you money. So their n- number one and only goal or only role is to give you back time. Their other role might be to save you money. They, might, they may find inefficiencies where they can actually, you know, help you to streamline your operations. But the most thing, like I think, you know, the overarching guiding principle here is that you hired this person to give you back time to use how you see fit. You might use some of that time to work more on the business. You might use some of that time to work at highest value stuff in the business. You might use some of that time to give back to your family. And but that's up to you. But, you know, that, that's their key goal. So if I were you, I would answer the first question that I asked, which is, why did I hire this person? Cause you started to answer it. I've got a lot of admin overhead and a lot of admin stuff that I need help with. Things are falling through the cracks as too much for me. So I would be writing down a, And like don't judge, just get a piece of paper and start writing down all the things that are too much and that are, should be taken off your plate. Do not put them in order. Just, just brainstorm, right? Just write, 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 write. When you're exhausted, look at it for a while, go get a cup of coffee, walk around, and come back and write down some more stuff um, because more stuff will come to you. Once you feel like you've pretty much exhausted writing stuff down, then get another piece of paper and then rewrite the list down in rank order priority. What's the number one thing this person can take off of your plate that will have the best return or re- it could be best return? It's a major pain in your ass and you just want it gone. Or a combination of the above right and then and rank order priority so not like here are the A's, here are the B's, here are the C's no one if you wrote down forty things, I want you to reorder in a list that goes from one to forty um, no ties and this is how we then avoid problem number two so that's how you get around problem number one, which is letting them choose right because you're going to prioritize problem number two is I see a lot of people do this with COOs or PLAs. And that's, you know, hey, here's my basket of shit that I don't want to do anymore. Have fun with it and give it all to them. Right. And what happens is it's not done to your standards and you can't, you don't have the bandwidth to monitor everything. Because you've given them everything. And so that results in either overwhelm and feeling of failure or your failure to supervise and usually both. So what you do is you then, you, I, would, I would sit down then with the PLA and say, here's my rank order list. I would like to give you half of it, three quarters of it in the first 90 days. But I don't want to give it all to you in the, like today to say you're going to do it in the first 90 days. So we're going to we're going to stagger your takeover because it's going to be too much for me to explain this all. It's going to be too much for you to absorb it all. So we're going to set a schedule on what days you're going to take over which tasks. And that schedule will last the first 90 days. And then we'll evaluate how you've done and we'll make a plan for the next 90 days. So what else you'll take off my plate um, until you say, uncle. At which point in time, we'll discuss whether we need to get you an assistant. But so you you do this collaboratively with them. You'll also in this get to know really fast how aggressive they're willing to work and or if they'll try to take on too much. And you'll know if it's too much all at once and you can slow it down a little bit because it's important that they're successful at each thing, not at how many things they can do. So that's how I would approach. And this is how I approach, by the way, all C-suite level hires and really director level hires so you know when i bring on a new cfo or even a new controller like it's the same thing i'm like here's this basket of all the stuff that you're a year from now you're going to be doing but we're going to assign it to you in pieces because i want you to be successful and to have and build a track record of success so you have confidence I have confidence in you and I can feel comfortable continuing to assign you things. And I want you to raise your hand when you need help. That was a long answer to a very simple question, but I hope it was helpful.
1: That was a thorough answer and a very good one and an extremely helpful response.
0: Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm, and that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. The remaining two segments are an extended discussion about employment contract negotiations that stems from an attorney who is unsure how to improve their job offer to a candidate.
1: I have an offer out to an attorney. I think this could be a very good thing for my firm. I'm confused on how to bring her on, how and what to shift onto her. How do I measure if, you know, because we're not a straight billable hour except for probate cases? You no, know, how do I measure if she's earning her keep? Also, as part of that, I made the offer. And she's working somewhere now. She wasn't actively looking. She had talked to a coach who is in a networking group with me about potentially making a move. And then the coach introduced us. Mm-hmm. So she's at a firm. She's been there for eight years. She's grown a lot there professionally. The woman who owns, it's a small firm. They have zero systems and resources She answers the phone. She makes the copies. She does the intake. She does the legal work along with her other associate. The owner of the firm doesn't provide any support, really. The owner is older. She's been saying, I'm going to retire and transition the firm to you. But on the other hand, shows no signs of actually doing that. And I suggested in our first conversation that in my experience with my friends that have been in your situation when push comes to shove most of the time it you know has not solidified so i would encourage you if you're serious about considering a potential offer whether it's with me or with somebody else to try and pin her down and get something you know set up and i think that she was unsuccessful in that which is why our conversation went further but she said i don't really want to run a firm but i think i could bring something of value with me, which is the remnants of this old firm. And I said, I don't need your clients. This role that I'm hiring you for is not a rainmaking role. It is a, I didn't say it this way, but it's a grinder and minder role. So I made the offer $120,000, you know, other things. And she said, I'm, I need to review this. And we're speaking. Uh, in the next few days, I guess she wants to negotiate some things. So ideas on how to kind of have that, how to figure out what I could do to make the offer compelling to her without just giving out tons of more money.
0: So go back in time and don't put the money on the table. That was a mistake.
1: Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I could have made a lower offer. I think it would have been. I'm not
0: saying you went too high. We're going to talk a little bit about negotiations and successful negotiating, particularly in this arena of hiring. The mistake that we all make is that we project the way we would look for a job onto others. We make, yeah, you know, we violate the four agreements. We make assumptions about what's important to the other person. And so we do things like put money out there. One simple question that I've learned at the end of it, if I think I'm hiring, so it's the end of whatever interview it is that I think I'm going to make an offer, I say, I'm going to make you an offer. But before I do that, why don't you tell me what a good offer would be to you?
1: Oh, I did that.
0: What did she say?
1: She said 110 to 120.
0: Okay. Oh, and by the way, I I missed—I messed up my phrasing. See, I'm not even—I like you put me on the spot, and I forgot my phrasing. The phrasing I actually use is, "What would an offer look like that you would accept?" That's the words I use. So, indeed, if you use those words, and she says one ten to one twenty, and then there becomes a negotiation about price above one twenty, that is an instant for me disqualification and termination of discussion. Because I will not hire someone who's at, who would, is willing to go out of integrity with themselves.
1: I'm sorry. I think I'm a little confused. I, I understand the concept, but I don't understand the application here.
0: What would be an offer? I, I'm, a, I'm going to make you an offer. But before I do, you know, I don't like to start off a relationship with a back and forth. Like, I, I really like to start off collaboratively. So could you please tell me what would, be, what would an offer look like that you would accept?
1: You know. I need to make 110, 120, something like something like that.
0: All right. So that's yeah, that's salary. That's something. What other things are important to you?
1: Well, and, and this is based on my actual conversation yeah. part. Okay. Some work from home opportunity is important to me. Support. Like, you know, you told me about all of the you know staff that you have in your firm so you know the fact that someone else would be answering calls and helping me with administrative tasks you know having that practical support i also need to be in a place where i feel professionally supported that i have a mentor who's ready to you know work with, you know i have a lot of experience but i still have more to learn and right now i feel like i have to do it all on my own if I could work in a place where I have another attorney who can still sort of guide me and mentor me as I grow, these are the things that are important to me.
0: Cool. So you've said money, the ability to have the flexibility to work from home, administrative support, and professional support and mentoring. Is there anything else that's really important to you in, uh, in, in receiving an offer that you would accept or that you will accept?
1: I think those are the important things. Okay.
0: Of those, which one's the most important?
1: Probably the last two, because I have the first two in my current position, but I don't have the last two.
0: Okay. So if I wasn't quite, if I had to come in a little bit under your money, but I was able to offer you fantastic professional support and mentoring, and we had great admin support. That would be more important to you than the other way around that if I could make meet the money, but not give you the support.
1: Um, no, I, I don't think so because, you know, that's sort of the number that I came up with that I need, you know, to make my, my lifestyle.
0: So, so that's also a top priority then for you. Yes. Do you see what's happening here? We're not negotiating, right? There's nothing, there's no back and forth. There's no adversity, I'm listening, and I'm drawing out before I put anything out there, and the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk through each one, the money I don't need to talk through. All right I understand the money. I just want to be clear that you understand we do have a, like I would say, you know, a base and um, an incentive, and you know I expect that you'll make this much, but you have the opportunity to make this much, And if you make under this much, you won't be around for long. I might talk about that. Then I talk, you know, I've really heard loud and clear in this, that it's really the support um, that's important. So I would talk about, you know, more. I'd, even though you talked about it in the interview, I would go back to it and talk more about that. You know, when you say support, would you like to meet once a week and talk about cases and talk about your future? Or is it more important that we just, I just be available. Um, and just really like talk through it. And then my favorite is once you kind of think you got it, so say, "All right, let me let me see if I get this right," and then just walk the candidate through their day. So you're working here, and, so you're just, and you talk it visually. Like you try to put a vision in their head of what it is to work with you. And I let you say, "Is that does that work for you? Is that is that what you're talking about?" I want to be sure that I, you're saying it in a way that you're trying to. You're, you're saying that you want to understand. But really what you're doing is you're you're implanting the vision in their head to understand and to want and to believe in um, and make it real. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com LawClerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with the project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. So I've walked you through all this, but you keep saying, I did that, I did that, I did that, which is great, so what's your actual question?
1: I mean, I don't know that I did it as nicely as you just did it now, but like one of the reasons I made the offer is because I felt like it was a, it was not a negotiation like this. It was like, a let's, you know, understand from each other what we're looking for and what's available, you know, if that fits together. So I, I feel very insecure about this. Like, She's like, okay, I've reviewed your offer letter. You made reference to the employee handbook. Could you please send me a copy of the employee handbook so, you know, so I can review that too before we speak. And my employee handbook like is boring. You know, it's based off of a certain suggestions from a certain organization and uh, reviewed by a local employment attorney, you know, nothing crazy.
0: Have you read Negotiate Without Fear? No. You want to read this book. It is by Victoria Medvec. I think it's one of the best books written on negotiation in quite some time. If you haven't read that um, and negotiation is part of what you do, and if it's not, I don't know why you're listening. It is really a truly great book. One of the key phrases she uses in this book that I love is, say it, don't send it. You don't want in any negotiation to be in the position where you've sent the offer and they're reviewing the offer and we'll get back to you because you lose this, right? You lose the body language. You lose the instant feedback to the words that you're saying and the ability to adjust. And then by the time they come back to you, they have now taken a position. And as a lawyer, Particularly, we get our ego all wrapped up in positions. And so you, you just want to diffuse all that by saying it, don't set it. So I always continue that conversation. And then I'll say, once I've heard everything, I'll, I'll be making notes. And I might adjust the offer. And I said, so, so it sounded to me like, and then I'll read them what the offer would be. Or I'll say, listen, I need to put this all together. What's a good time for me to follow up with you as to you know, what this offer is going to look like? Either way. Uh, usually, I'm pretty much I can pretty much do it on the spot, but then we, I talk through it, and I, I'd love to do it on Zoom or over coffee or in person, so that as I say it, if I need to, I can adjust or I can say, "Listen, you know, we talked about this, but you're looking a little uncomfortable about this. Tell me what's going on. What, what? Why are you? What's your reaction? Because I want to, I want to, you know, I want to work with you on this. What, what are you reacting to? And man, it's it's again, it's collaborative, and it's a great way to do it. I'm very concerned, actually, with the need to see the employment manual, because now I'm beginning to wonder if you've got a a critic without criteria, somebody who's really just looking for the problems. So if someone, if someone asked me for my employment manual, I say, well, what are you? You know, it's really thick. I've got it's, you know, it's really big and it's we're always a work in progress. Um, I think that'd be a lot for you to get through. What are you particularly interested in? Maybe it's more important that I you know, address the things that you're going to be looking for so I can explain our policy and why we do things the way we do, and to see if that's a, an issue. Cause, you know, our manual is constantly evolving as uh, the needs of our team evolve. So, w- what would you be looking for in that?
1: You know, I'm feeling insecure for two reasons. One, I think hiring her could be a great game changer for me because I am the only attorney. So, most of the time, I have a job. Also, I'm extremely insecure because she has a reasonably good job now. Like there are things that she's not crazy about, but I'm asking her to, and I've had this every time I hire someone who has a job, I'm saying, go leave your job, come work for me. And there's a possibility that this might not work out and I'm going to have to fire you. And that always like makes my blood pressure go up a little bit. I understand that she's a big girl and she's taking this, making this decision, but this is why I'm nervous.
0: You're making this decision. Should she be nervous about whether what happens to your business? If this doesn't work out.
1: I am nervous about my business.
0: Should she be nervous about what happens to your business? If this doesn't work out. No. Right. Do you expect that she is? No, no. Listen, if she comes to work with you, she will do so for her own reasons. The only thing I would say you're responsible for is not lying, right? Don't lie. You may know, and through this conversation, the way I'm talking about it, you may know what her reasons are, or you might not know all her reasons. But the key thing to keep in mind is you are responsible to your team, to your employees. You are not responsible for them, for their feelings, for their reasons, the more you can find out about the reasons, the better an employer you can be in structuring their employment such that they can meet their goals by helping you meet yours. And you can can better create win-win relationships. Everybody you hire is subject to fail, but they're not leaving because they love where they are. You're giving them an opportunity to move forward. And if they fail with you, that will also move them forward as opposed to being stuck. You may be a resting place, you may be a conduit, but that's not your responsibility.
1: That's good, thank you.
0: And your main focus needs to be on whether, how this works for your business. And to value your business enough because all these things that I'm suggesting, like asking the question about what do you want, what are you looking for in the employment manual? That all comes from a place of confidence. I've got a great employment manual. I don't mind sharing it, but I don't want you wasting your time searching for something that might not even be in there. Tell me what you're interested in. Let's have that conversation. I'm going to treat you like a grown-up, and we're going to have a conversation about my employment manual that that you might have suggestions about, and I'm willing to hear. If you can come to this as a peer, you'll do better because you're coming to this in a you're trying to put yourself in a position of lower power, and that, that, that's not necessary
1: i you're right because i've been looking to fill this role for a very 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 long time and quite honestly she's the first candidate that i've actually wanted to make an offer to so i'm in a scarcity mindset
0: a little bit but so good for you for holding out though right but yeah i can see that that being you know desperation higher mode but uh, this isn't a desperation hire. It sounds like a quality hire, but you need to show the confidence or she'll smell it. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I feel better. I feel like I can come to it on a more even keel. We're talking tomorrow. Great. Thank
0: you for listening. This has been the Unbillable Hour Community Table on the Legal Talk Network.